pop psychology personality tests split the world into introverts and extroverts. Uh, the questions that decide whether you are an introvert or an extrovert usually revolve around energy levels. You know, do you energize on your own or with others? And if you recharge by yourself, you're an introvert. If you come alive around people, you are an extrovert. You know, I'm not really sure how helpful it is to label people so definitively as extrovert or introvert. You know, such labels never capture our complexity and, uh, and they're too easily used as excuses when we are called out of our comfort zones as introverts or when we offend people by our brashness as extroverts. We can't just say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm an extrovert. That's just how I am. I, I'm, yeah, I'm just not sure how useful those labels are. But if we are into the labeling game, what about God? Is he an extrovert or an introvert? If you read some theology books, you might conclude that God is an, an, an individual, happiest in his own company. For some, God is turned in on himself, and he is happiest having me time by himself. In the Bible, though, we encounter a God who is thoroughly outgoing. From before there was a universe, God has shone out his light, he has spoken out his world, word, he has sent out his Son. This outgoing reality is the impetus for all creation. He wants others beside himself. And in salvation, there is no difference. He continues to reach out to a darkened world. As Christ comes into the world, Romans 10 verse 21, he says, All day long I've held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. When we look to the cross, the ultimate revelation of God's nature, how could we doubt that God is completely other-centered? While at a dinner party... Jesus told a story about the nature of the kingdom and see if you can pick up on the outgoing reality that there is to God. Jesus says, Luke 14 verse 16, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests, many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servants, hey, servant, go out to the roads and country lanes, to the highways and hedges, in the old King James translation. Go out to the highways and hedges and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This great supper is the feast of feasts. On the day of the Lord, it is, it is heaven itself. The host is the Father, the servant is Jesus, those who are first invited are the Jews, and those found in the highways and hedges, in the streets and alleys, those are the Gentiles. The whole world is invited into the feast. God is pushing all the boundaries and going out to the ends of the earth. This is the missionary love of the Father who does all things that his house will be full. On the other hand, what are we like? We are those who are more interested in our land, our oxen, our love nests, verses 18 to 20. 
We should say to the master and to the servant, we should say, well, forget it. You know, our investments can wait. Our business interests can wait. Our spouses can come along. None of those things should keep us from going to the feast. None of them should keep us from the kingdom. The trouble is, we often prize those things more than the king of the kingdom. So we shun the things of heaven and we pursue a kingdom of self. You see, that is the great truth. It's not God that is the one who is consumed by himself. We are the ones consumed by ourselves and our own priorities. God is the one who goes out to the highways and hedges. Therefore, what is it like to be godly? What is it to be Christ-like? Often we picture godliness in individual terms. There we are sitting on our holiness perch, hoping not to fall off. But this parable would tell us to think again. You see, God is the God of the highways and hedges. Therefore, what is godliness? It is radical other-centeredness. What is Christ-likeness? It's opening our life out in invitation to the world. Do we like to keep ourselves to ourselves? Look, there can be a time for that. And I'm all for, fine, recharge, alone. If you need some alone time, that's cool. But look, that cannot be the shape of your life. Because it's not the shape of God's life. He goes to the highways and hedges and he calls us to do the same. To be godly is to be evangelistic, to be missionary minded, to be outgoing. When we forsake our own self-centered projects, when we find true life in God's outgoing mission, then we really live. This is the life of the kingdom, the life of heaven. It's the life of the future because God has promised my house will be full. 